Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students, and I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. You know him from his work in classic films like Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas, Spike Lee's Jungle Fever, Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri's A Bronx Tale, just to name a few. I want to welcome the talented actor, comedian, fellow Brooklynite, Joseph D'Onofrio. Welcome to the show, bro. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, listen, I got to tell you, I, I know it was kind of last minute and, you know, I know it's late right now. You're in Brooklyn and it's like midnight or something like that and you're jumping on. So I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you. So I created this podcast to inspire young artists to follow their dreams. If a kid like me can come out from Brooklyn at 18 to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket, a one-way ticket, not knowing his soul, and make my dream a reality then why can't the listener out there? If a kid like you from Brooklyn can be in some of the biggest movies ever made, you know, why can't they? So, you know, it's really about just inspiring them and, and t- telling them your story. So I, w- I would love to know, how does a kid like you from Brooklyn, uh, first off, where'd you grow up in Brooklyn? Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. Bensonhurst, cool. Well, what street, if you don't mind me asking? Bay 29th and Benson. All right, did you cruise the L? Yeah, once in a while, sure. Back in the day? <laughs> yep. Nice. Yeah. You know, that was my old stopping ground back. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I came out to Hollywood in 84, but like in 82, I was, I was that, I was slick. I was a kid, oh, wow. you know, I was running around the neighborhood, you know, running around and, you know, like I, I, I ran away from home at 15. I was running the streets. I was, you know, doing stealing cars, running around, you know, thinking I was a half a wise guy wanting, you know, that's, I thought that's the life for me, you know, that whole life. Yeah. And till I till I saw my uh, my idol get shot in the head in front of me five times, you know, and uh, I realized, uh, you know, maybe this is not the life for me. I got to I got to get out of I got to get out of Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, I was on the lamb. I was running. I was hiding because I had some guys that come in looking for me. I, I ran. I hit up in Syracuse, New York, when my sisters are going to college. I came back to Brooklyn. They were still looking for me. I said, I got to get out of here. I was at the I was at Aqueduct. I won a couple hundred bucks. My friend said, what are you going to do with the money? He said, I'm going to Hollywood. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's that's how I took off from Brooklyn. So so how do you how do you a guy from Brooklyn, from Bensonhurst, get involved in this crazy business? Well, it started when I was a kid. I was a break dancer. I did a lot of break dancing and popping and locking. And I did some shows. And I met a manager. And um, she we started doing break dance shows. I did a couple of commercials doing break dancing. And the next thing you know, they were like, you want to audition to be in a movie? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, what am I playing? They're like, oh, it's the guy from Brooklyn. Just be yourself. So I was like, okay. So I went up. I did the audition. I ended up booking the part. And then it just, you know, rolled from there. You know, I just kept getting auditions and auditioning and, you know, and that's how it, it just happened. 
So started with breakdancing. Yeah, I remember back when, you know, when breakdancing first started, carrying around the cardboard box, yeah. <laughs> bringing the box and at school having battles in, in the gymnasium. That's awesome. Where did, where did you, like, what clubs did you go to? Where did you dance? I mean, do you, I don't know. Did you go out to clubs in Brooklyn? Did you go to Changes yeah. or Pastels or, you know, what, a, what was it, Heat Waves or... What were, the, yeah, what we were clubs? The pastels, the underground. The underground, you know, yeah. The fun house. Fun house. The, the Roxy Big Breakdance Contest. That's where I got discovered doing my breaking. And we went to Dance Interior. You know, the clubs like that. Then That's the awesome. Ride and, you know, the tunnel, the palladium. So, so that skill, that skill of yours, that special skill, right, opened a door for you in this business. I tell my actors all the time, you know, you want to develop those special skills because you never know. They're going to be looking, especially in the commercial, like getting into the business. You know, there's a door, there's a theatrical door, and there's a commercial door. And a lot of times for young actors breaking into the business, it's that commercial door that kind of gets them in the door, gets them maybe their SAG card, maybe their Taff Hartley, because they're just right for the role. I'm looking for a, a skateboarder and, you know, you're a great skateboarder. I'm looking for a surfer or, you know, a break dancer. So that break dancing opened the door for you to commercials, right? Yeah, commercials. And then I did some extra work in films and, you know, and then started reading for parts, did a little study in acting and, you know, and that's how it happened. So, so, okay, let, let's go back a little bit. So you, you, how did you get your SAG card? Was it in a commercial? Yes, a Pringles commercial. I was breakdancing. Oh. I did like a, a backspin and it was like, we got the fever for the flavor of a Pringles. And awesome. I did a backspin and came out with the can of Pringles in my hand. Do you have a back. copy of that? I want to see that. <laughs> I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Is it? Uh, yeah, you got to send me the link. I got, I got to see that. That's yeah, awesome. You sent the uh, Pringles commercial breakdancing on YouTube. Yeah. You know, I was, I was looking. I was looking. I was looking for it. I was trying because I, I heard about the Pringles commercial. So I was looking to find it. And, you know, it was crazy because I found all kinds of stuff. I saw Vin Diesel had a wow. video on how to break dance, like when he was younger. That was, you know, and then I saw um, Gallo, Vincent Gallo. He was wow. on one of those dance videos. <laughs> you know, well, there, it was 1984. If you put in 1984, I think it pops up. Well, I got, I'm sure I got yeah, it somewhere. I, I got to see that. That's awesome. So, so okay, so now you break into the business. You got your SAG card, you know, through your your Pringles commercial. And then you 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 have a, a commercial. How would you get your commercial agent? They just saw you dancing? Uh, what happened was there was a manager that lived in the neighborhood. I don't know if you know of uh, Marianne Leone, terrific talent. No. She lived on Bath Avenue and Bay 40-something Street. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, so my mom... Um, my mom seen an article, like a, a thing in show business for managers. And Marianne was in there. So I went up to Marianne's office and she looked at me. She said, oh, wow, he's so cute. And my mother was like, do a head spin. And I did like a head spin in her office, like right on the rug. And she was like, I'm going to start sending you out for commercials. And I was like, okay. And then, you know, I did a couple, I did like maybe like five, six commercials, you know, it was fun. We did a pony commercial. We did a ragu commercial. We did like a mead notebook commercial. It was fun. Nice. So you were getting paid. Yeah. You're getting yeah. paid too, yeah. And you were young. So that, that money went into a Coogan account, right? I mean, you didn't need to get to play with that money, did you? No, my mother let me have some money, but she put some away from me. That's she good. Said if I wanted to buy something like clothes and stuff like that, I was allowed to. Nice. 
So what was it like? I mean, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, I know for me, like when I told everybody I want to be an actor, like, yeah, you're going to be an actor. You're going to be a movie star. You know, they used to call me, they used to see me in the street and go, yo, Hollywood, <laughs> you know, the corner. <laughs> you know, because I, I told everybody I wanted to be an actor. I mean, I got bit by the bug when I was 11. They were filming a movie in my neighborhood, uh, Nunzio with David Proval. Okay. And they were looking for kids, you know, street kids to play stickball and, you know, kids just background. And I was like, you know, hey, what's going on over here? And we're making a movie. And I ran up to uh, Morgana King, who played Marlon Brando's wife in The Godfather. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, the lead, the mother in this thing. And I ran up to her and I said, what's going on here? What are you doing? She said, we're making a movie. I said, oh, how do you get in a movie? I want to be in a movie. Mm-hmm. So, she, you know, she showed me a picture and a resume. I ran home, took a Polaroid picture, wrote some shit down on a piece of loose leaf paper, ran down the street, said, here's my picture and resume. You know, the the director said, go home, kid. We're going to stick you in the movie. So I ran home. Mom, Mom, they're going to stick me in the movie. She goes, you stay in the house. You don't know what kind of movie that I I ran down the street. I go, listen, my mother doesn't believe you. You got to tell her. You got to, you know, I dragged them to the house. He said, we're Universal Pictures. We're going to pay your son. My mother's going to pay him? Hey, take him. So so I was just background, right? So I show up to the set and there's this kid. His name is Glenn Scarpelli. He was on like one day at a time or whatever. He, he had a speaking role in the in the film, right? So he wasn't there the day that I sh- was there and I looked just like him. So everybody thought I was him. Oh, wow. So they called me Glenn. They gave me a chair. They powdered my nose. They gave me craft service. So th- that's when I got bit by the, the bug, right? And then a year, craft la- service. Yeah, a year later, they're filming Saturday Night Fever, like five blocks away from me. So, uh, you know, the scene where they they crash into the Barracuda Club and they get into a fight in the car. So I I stayed up to like four in the morning watching them film this scene with a stunt and the whole thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is why, you know, John Travolta, Vinnie Barbarino, it comes out of his trailer. And there's like thousands of girls screaming, going mad, fainting. And I'm like, this is what I want to do. But, but, you know, everybody I told my dream to, they laughed at me. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So nobody believed in me. So it seems to me like you had some people that believed in you, right? Your mom was looking out for you, trying to get you some representation. Yeah, basically my mom, you know, I was just breakdancing. I remember I wanted to be in the contest and my mom, it was supposed to like fill out a paper to get to the contest. And like, she waited till like the last minute because I kept bothering her to put me in the contest. But then finally I got in it. But then once I got the manager, basically... The manager used to just call me, get me an audition, and I would go up and then, you know, audition, stuff like that. I never really, I don't know, I never really wanted to be an actor or thought about, like, acting, to be honest with you. It just was, like, something that happened. It was weird. It was, like, growing up, and I would just, like, you know, getting older, like, growing up in the neighborhood, you know, going out, hanging out, being a regular person, kid. And then, like, having my manager call me up to do an audition, and it was just like, I'd read the paper, I'd do the sides, I'd go up and I'd do it. It was like I never thought about, I was never really into acting or never into movies or, like, directors. I really didn't know too many. It was kind of weird, but, you know, after I started doing it a while, you know, after a couple of years, and I said to myself, I I was like, wow, I'm an actor. You know what I mean? Maybe I should, you know, start taking this seriously and, you know, doing some technique and learning things and, you know, learning from other actors and watching and learning a lot of things. And then, and, you know, now finally, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, almost where I need to be. 
Well, you know, this craft, you never, you never, if you, it's not like you get it. Oh yeah. I'm a, I know everything about acting. It's, you know, you learn every day. I mean, I've been doing this shit for 40 something years and, and I learn something new every day. I mean, you know, I, I have my own school. This is not a virtual background. This is a real that's school, yeah, you know, and you know, I work with actors every day, but I learn every day, you know, uh, about more about this craft of acting. You oh, know, yeah, so that's, really that's the learning. beauty. I love learning. And it's also, you're learning when you're working with different actors too, because different actors have different techniques and different ways to work. And, you know, well, let's talk about that because you had a fucking masterclass, man. I mean, yeah. seriously, I mean, think about it. I mean, like, you know, listen, I grew up, I'm a De Niro fan, you know, I mean, I'm a De Niro, Pacino, Brando. Those are my guys growing up, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's who, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be, you know? Yeah. So, so you, I mean, listen, I know what, like your first film was like, uh, what, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right? So, so you get a, you you get a a small part in in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is a big movie, you know, I mean, at the time it was huge movie, right? It's not like you were, you know, this is a a monster movie that you're in. And then your second film is? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. So, I mean, you hit the acting lotto, man. I mean, you know, to get cast is, you know, young Joe Pesci, uh, young Tommy in, in Goodfellas. Tell me, tell me about that experience. I mean, like, you know, how did, how did you get that part? How was the, what was the auditioning process? How did that all come about? Basically what happened was I got a phone call from my manager and she said, um, you have an audition for the show, the movie Wise Guy, because it was called Wise Guy. Oh yeah. Nicholas Pelleggi. Yeah, it was based on the book. So I had to go see uh, Ellen Lewis, who was casting it at the time, mm. up at an office on 57th Street. So I went up. They took a Polaroid picture of me. And then that was it. And then, I don't know, like two weeks later, I got a phone call. And like, oh, uh, they want to see you at Warner Brothers at Rockefeller Center to meet with Marty Scorsese. And I was like, who's Marty Scorsese? <laughs> I directed the movie. I was like, oh, okay, sounds good. Okay, no problem. What time? So I was like, okay. So I went up there and I really didn't, I, like back then, I really didn't do research or nothing. I was just like, all right, whatever. I was like 19 at the time or something like that, 19 or 20. So I went up, I met with him. I was like, hey, how you doing? He's like, how you doing? And he's like, he wanted me to read with three different kids. And then I read with three different kids, a scene, a, a one scene. And then he was like, oh, which, who, who do you think was the best? And I was like, oh, I think this guy was good. You know, we just had a little talk or whatever. And then, I don't know, like two weeks later, they were like, they want to book you on the Goodfellas, on the on Wise Guy, but they changed the name to Goodfellas now. And then and then we booked it and then we went and we that's what happened. That's how we got the part. Well, so what was the audition scene? Which one? Was it the scene from the movie? Yeah, it was the scene, I think, when um, we were doing, when we were by the truck. How you doing? What's going on? Sounds like me and De Niro. Like, I think he played De Niro. I played uh, young Tommy and. Oh, when he's introducing you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, not, not a bad start. I mean, Ellen Lewis, you know, she's, you know, Marty's casting director, not a bad casting director to me, you know? And, and, you know, I I think the beauty is, is that, you know, you didn't know. So there was no, like no nerves, you know, like, let's say if you're going to go meet with Martin Scorsese now and you, you, you didn't know him, you know, those, you know, that adrenaline would be pumping through your veins. But, you know, yeah. as a kid, you don't know anything. You know, it's like, well, whatever. I'm here. You know, do whatever, you know, what, what do you want me to do? <laughs> that's exactly how it was. That's exactly what happened. And I think that's why they liked me. And I know Marty, I heard throughout the years, he likes to hire people that, you know, close to the parts. 
close yeah. to the real people. So I guess that's what it was. Yeah. Well, listen, that's what, that was your, your star power. You know, I tell, uh, you know, actors all the time, you know, what's your castability? You know, you're a product, you're selling a product to Hollywood. Yeah. You got to know what you're selling. Right. So like when I came out to Hollywood, uh, you know, uh, when I first get out of here, people say, you gotta, you gotta lose that Brooklyn accent of yours, or you gotta, you gotta do this, or, you know, and I was like, that. Yeah. I said, that's what makes me, me, you know, that's yeah. what makes me different from everybody else. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to change who I am, yeah. you know, I, you know, because I knew what I was selling. I was selling a street kid from Brooklyn. There you go. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I give you a perfect example. I don't know if you remember, but I, uh, you know, back in the day, back in the early eighties, 87, I had a TV series and I played like a New York character. I played a character named the booch, you know, with a leather jacket and I played a uh, cuisine. I had a gold chain. I had the fucking perfect hair, the whole thing. But you know, when I auditioned for that TV series, they were looking for a surfer dude from Venice beach. Wow. That's how they described the character. But I read that thing and I was like, surfer dude from Venice beach. I was like, nah, I saw him like the Fonz. You know, I grew up watching Happy Days, Henry Winkler, you know, leather jacket, he drove the motorcycle, he was cool, he snapped his fingers, the girls came running. So I saw him like the Fonz, right? And, and, then, I, and then I was like, I saw him like Vinnie Barbarino, you know, from Welcome Back, Cotter. So what I did is I took a little Vinnie Barbarino, I took a little Fonzie, I put them together, and that's the guy I brought into the room. And I said, you like that? And they went, yummy, yummy. And they, they, gave, me the, they gave me the part, they rewrote it. The, the show takes place in Venice, but the kids got a Brooklyn accent. Yeah. So it was it was uh, it was really popular back in Brooklyn because, you know, all the Brooklyn people could relate to the character. You know, they were seeing themselves on TV, you know, and it was it's a guy, you know, that I created the guy. That was a guy that, you know, the guy from the neighborhood, you know, yeah, that that's, happened to me. That, that's actually happened to me before once or twice too. a couple of shows. The show Are We There Yet? I played Staten Island Mike. But in the beginning, like you said, it was, they were looking for a Rob Schneider type. Yeah, and I went in because Todd Taylor was a friend of mine. He was the casting it. He said, Joe, just come in. I want you to do this role. I was like, okay. So then they called my agent and they were like, oh, we love Joe, but the show shot in Seattle. And I called my, I told my agent, I was like, what, there's nobody from New York in Seattle? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, okay, I'm going to call them back and tell them that. So he called them back. He's like, you know, you know, there's people from New York that live in Seattle. And they were like, you know what? We're going to book them. And they just made my name Staten Island Mike instead of Mike. Uh, that's same, awesome. Same, something like you. Same thing, man. It's like you said, sometimes you got to use your own traits, you know, to put yourself into the role. And, you know, like that's what I do. I, every role, I try to bring a little of myself to it. You know what I mean? Just in a sure. different variation of it. Yeah. Well, you know, but in the beginning, you know, that your, your castability was, is you were, you know, there was, you got a great, a great face, you know, you, you're, you're, you, you're a character, you know, that's, you're perfect. I mean, you're like that guy, you know, you ever feel, um, you know, I know for me, when I came out, I, I was typecast. I was playing all the, you know, those roles for a long time. I played the, on who's the boss. I played the dumb Italian kind of, you know, character, you know, I played the, on Boys Will Be Boy, I played the, you know, the Cougine, you know, these characters. And then then they started trying to typecast me and going, you know, they would only bring me in on those roles. And, I, and then I'd hear about a project and I'm, be, I'm going, wait, man, this, you know, this roles, I want to audition for this. But they were like, no, he, he's, he's that guy. Yeah. You know, do you ever deal with that? Oh, yeah, that's kind of hard. Sometimes that happens. Certain people only want to see me for certain things. That's why I try to do a lot of independent films where I could go against my my role and my character 
So if I see an independent film where they're doing and there's a character that I think that's different from the cuisine or the gangster or the Italian guy, I'll try to take it on and to prove myself. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of times when you're playing those roles all the time, you know, they think that's all you could do and they think that's all that people see you as. So sometimes it's hard to get, you know, the bigger cast and people to trust you in those roles. But thank God there's a lot of roles for Cougines and gangsters. And, yeah, you know, listen. I, Italian guys, but I'm lucky because I do comedy and drama. So it's like I can do a drama and then do a comedy and, you know. Love that. Switch yeah, it up. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's a hard thing. I try not to think about it too much because, you know, I, I, I try not to get too much stressed out about it. I just get the auditions and do, do the best I could. And, you know, and, and that's all I could do. Yeah. So I'm mean, listen. You know, some people say about type. I, at least you're a type. You know, you yeah, you yeah. work. Yeah, you know, you work. I mean, so I know I know guys in this business that work all the time because you know. I mean, I had Emilio Rivera on my podcast. You know, and he plays the cholo, the, the goatee, and the whole thing. You know, he plays all the bad guys. But you know what? He's working all the time. He's yeah. laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah. He's got you know, he's in every big movie and every you know when they're looking for that role, that's the guy they go to. Exactly. You know, I know all the guys that they're the heavy set guy. You know, they go. They're looking for a heavy set guy. They go with that guy. Yeah. Listen, as long as you're in this business, you know, it, it's a tough business. So if, yeah. if that's what's going to get you in the door, great. And then, you know, you got to fight to get out of that box. I mean, I know for me, there was a role on, I played a son of a mafia boss on NYPD Blue, who was a psychopath, who was gay, who killed his own brother and a whack a bunch of other people, whatever. And I did, I guess, start on a show. And then I found out they were casting another episode and it was a Puerto Rican ex-con from Rikers Island who's suicidal. And, his, and I was like, this role is great. I wanted to get in on it. And they kept saying, no, 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 you, we know, we know Billy Gallo, we know. And so what I did is I put myself, I filmed myself, I put myself on tape. I got it to casting. And when they saw that tape, they brought me in the door. And then I got in the door and I booked that part. And oh, good. That's what you got to do. Yeah, sometimes. You know, yeah. you got to, you got to show them, you got to yeah. show them that I can do other, you know, you know, and, and the business has changed. I mean, now with self tapes, you can do that. Yeah. You know? well, I've done things like that before where like I went, went in for one role, but I wanted another role. And then when I got in there, they were like, oh, how are you doing? And I'd be like, I'm doing good, but I like to read for the other role because, you know, you know, there's, I think I'm a little better for the other role. And then they would let me read and same thing like you. I, I booked it. I did that a couple of times where, you know, once you're in that room, yep. you know, it's your, it's your time. It's your time. So, <laughs> yeah. if you, you know, if you handle it in a respectful way, you know, like I wasn't just like, let me read the role. I'd be like, you know. I, I, I like the role you gave me to read, but I would appreciate it if you let me read the other role too. You know, since I'm reading this one, I'd really appreciate it. And, you know, if you say it in a nice way, people are like, oh, yeah. And then they're like, oh, we, like you, we're glad you did the role and then they give it to you. Yeah, so you you really had an amazing on-the-job training, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you can't get better. You know, I mean, you've literally worked with some of the greatest directors in film, you know, and you work with the... Uh, the Scorsese's, you work with the uh, Harold Ramis, you work yeah. with Spike Lee. I mean, you work with some amazing directors. So what is the biggest takeaway, especially for you as a young actor, you know, starting out, you know, kind of green, you know, you're, you don't really know a lot about the craft of acting, you know, working with these directors, what did they impart to you? What wisdom, what knowledge did you get from working with them? A lot of them gave me different things. Like, just watching them work and watching how giving they were as actors and learning like, you know, like when you're doing the other guys doing a close up to, you know, say your lines and then stop, let them say their line, give them a beat and then say your line 
and, you know, give them the facial reactions and, you know, just be a giving actor when I'm in a scene with somebody. And I also learned, like, I remember working with uh, De Niro, as a matter of fact, I was doing a scene and I like punched this guy and I was like, I think I should say something. And he's like, Joe, don't say nothing, just do it. Hmm. That's awesome. I I was like, really? He said, yeah. And I was like, wow. Is that when you, when you punch the kid on the bike? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Because you just, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't indicate anything. You just got up and did it. Yeah. And he had told me, I would never forget. And I was like, you know, I was green. Like you said, I mean, I really didn't know too much about acting a technique or anything. I just knew, you know, how to be a tough guy from Brooklyn, you know, emulating friends that I grew up with and people I knew. So when I told him that, and he was like, no, just don't say anything. And he's like, trust me. I was like, okay. And then after that, it's like, when I, whenever I'm doing something, I always have that in the back of my head. And, you know, and just, just listening to them, you know, like Spike Lee, like, you know, doing my first close up I ever did was on Jungle Fever. You know, I was so nervous doing it. And, you know, he could tell I was nervous. And he was just like, he's like, ah, relax. You know, it's just, you just have fun. Just have fun. You're having mm-hmm. fun. Enjoy yourself. And I looked at him and I was like, you know what? You're right. And, you know, you got to have fun. You got to do it and have fun doing it and, you know, and be open and willing and, you know, all that good stuff, you know, and, and I, and, and I like to have fun when I'm working, I want to have fun. Anything I do, I want to have fun. You know what I mean? And that's just the way I like to do it. That's great advice. I mean, you know, one being relaxed and two having fun, because when you're having fun, guess what? I'm having fun watching you. You know, if you're in your head, you're dead. You know, if you're in your heart, you're smart. If you're in play mode and it's like Halloween, you got the wardrobe on, the makeup and the thing, and you're, it's not even you, the actor, it's the character in the given circumstance and, and you're in play mode, you know, that's a different vibration than if the actor's coming in in their head going, oh, I hope they, hope I don't forget my lines. I hope yeah. they like me. I hope, I hope, I hope, you know, it's, it's not about that. I mean, I know for me, you know, when I came out, to Hollywood, I had big fucking, you know, I didn't yeah. give, you know, I, I, yeah. I think, I think growing up in Brooklyn yeah, gives you something that, you know, an edge on the other, you know, it's like, listen, if I could survive the streets of Brooklyn, Hollywood was no big deal. Yeah. But it's two different things basically, because growing up in Brooklyn, you need an ego and an image and you got to be a tough guy or else, you know, sure. you'll get taken, you'll get taken advantage of. But, you know, in the in the entertainment business, it's the total opposite. Yeah. You got to be, you know, a gentleman, nice, and, you know, know when to keep your mouth shut. That's Absolutely. another thing I learned from a lot of actors. Like, you know, sometimes you're on set, you know, you want to say something, sometimes something's going on you don't like. To me, I just keep my mouth shut. I mean, if it's not my job, like if I'm not the director, I'm not the producer, I'm not this, I'm not that, keep my mouth shut and just do my job, go back to my trailer, do my thing and then go back. Anybody else's thing, you know, things go wrong all the time, but if they do, I try to handle it like easy going, you know, and in a nice way, but in Brooklyn, no. if things don't go your way, <laughs> hey, get over here. You're beat the hell out of you. You give giving somebody a beat. Yeah. No. It's the total opposite. No, I know. It took, I, time. It took I, time to adjust. Yeah. Oh, well, me too. You know, I, I totally get that. I mean, what I'm talking is like when I, when I remember when I first came out to Hollywood and I show up to, uh, I heard about these things called, uh, you know, breakdowns and, you know, yeah. they, they drop them off on the, the, the steps of the agent's office and it had all the roles. Well, I was like, 
I'd steal that and sit in Denny's and go through and pick, you know, then I go to the studio and the gate, you know, and the Warner brothers and the guys at oh, wow. the, the security guard would go, uh, sorry, kid, you can't come in. And I'd be like, Oh yeah. I'd walk around the corner, I'd climb the fence, jump the ladder. I'd, be on the, I'd go to casting, knock on a door, you know? So I was like, those, those, you know, there were nothing was going to stop me from getting what I wanted, you know, not some security guard, you know, I, I was climbing fences my, my whole life, but you're so right because you don't last in this business. You don't have 130 something IMDb credits if you're not uh, a, a good guy, you know, uh, a professional actor and have a good reputation in this business. Yeah. You know, it's all about re relationships and re reputation. And I'm sure you Well, listen, let's let's go back a little bit. You did uh, De Niro Goodfellas, but you work with De Niro on uh, Night in the City, yeah. Analyze That a Bronx tale. I mean, you've worked with him on what four projects. Yeah. So if you didn't deliver on the first one, you would never walk to work with him again on those other projects, yeah. you know? So whatever you did, he liked you and he kept bringing you back. Yeah. And then this business, it's all about relationships. I mean, you look at Scorsese, he uses the same actors all the time. Yeah. You know, look at him and De Niro, look at all the films they did together. You know, it's, it's, you, you get comfortable. You have a, uh, you know, you know that I, I, are you going to deliver? If I bring you on set, I don't have to hold your hand. I know you're going to come and you're going to play full out and you're going to, you know, be prepared and you're going to be professional and you're likable and I want to hang out with you. And, you know, I, you you got to be likable in this business. Yeah, if you're not, I mean, I've worked with a lot of asshole actors in this business that, you know, they're no longer working in this business. Yeah. You know, they, they had a, you know, they, they worked for a little bit and now, you know, their reputation got out there and I don't want, we're listening, we're going to war. We're going to be making a film you know, I got to know that you got my back in the trenches, you know, that we're going to go, you know, we're going to do this together, you know, so it's, yeah, it's so nice. It's so nice when you work with people. It's like the show I just finished, like the, the makeup lady was like, listen, I just want to let you know, people have been talking about you. And I was like, really, what were they talking about? It's like, oh, how nice you are and how you bring such a positive energy to the set and go. how, you know, you come on time all the time. You always know your lines, you know, you're blocking, you know, your lighting, you know, you come shaved to the set. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And that made me feel so good. Yeah. Because, you That's know, it's important. It's important to me to, you know, show up, like you said, show up and know your lines and, you know, get it done. Get it done. Like on the first, second take, boom, it's done. It's in the can. Yeah. Listen, time's money. When I, you know, I mean, I've been on the other side as a producer and I've had, you know, I shot a film in New York and I had uh, one of my lead actors was a problem actor. He'd show up unshaven. He'd take off his wardrobe. He didn't hang it up, you know, so we couldn't find his wardrobe. He, he was late to the set. I mean, he cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars because I got 150 technicians on payroll. I can't shoot anything till my lead actor gets here. And then he'd show up and, you know, he had an ad, you know, so... It's really important that, you know, you have that relate that that uh, reputation in this business that you're a good guy. I like yeah, this I guy. I do that with my wardrobe. When I'm done for the day. Hang I it up. Wardrobe, I hang it up. Exactly. I it the way I found it. Yeah, so the I wardrobe lady, all she has to do is come, pick yeah. it up and bring it in. And, you know, people like that, you know, yeah. makeup people like it that you come in. They don't, you don't have to go shave and you came in prepared. You came yeah. shaved. You can't, you know, when you show up to set, go through the works, go through hair, makeup, wardrobe, be picture ready, go to that first AD and say, I'm ready. I'm picture ready. Whenever you need me, I'm, I'll be right here waiting by, you know, that's what a professional actor does. You don't want to be the guy eating, smoking cigarettes, donuts over there by craft services, unshaven, you know, because, you know, we're on a schedule. I need you. Yeah. I need you on set. I don't want to have to wait a half hour to, so you to go through the works. Exactly. 
You know, that's what a professional actor does. So here you are, you do Goodfellas, right? I mean, that's a huge film. I mean, listen, I, I'm, you know, God rest his soul, Ray Liotta, you know, you know, I love Ray. I mean, Ray was like uh, an older brother. When I came out to Hollywood, we did a, a TV series back in 1985 with Eli Wallach and, and, uh, Michael Madsen, uh, oh, wow. Andrew Dice Clay was my brother in it. Oh, you know, great. so we we became friends. And, you know, I was I didn't have a car. He had a car. He was oldest. He used to drive me to my auditions, you know, cool. run lines with me, you know. So, you know, it's, it's really sad, you know, yeah. and Mr. Servino. And I mean, you yeah. it's, it's crazy on how many some legendary guys we, we've been losing lately. Yeah. You know? Um, did you did you get an opportunity to work with uh, with Ray or, or or Paul? I never I never worked with Ray before. I met him once or twice. Paul, I don't I don't think I ever did any scenes with Paul, but I worked on a couple of movies with him and knew him. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, the movie called The Birthday Cake that we did, like I don't know, right after the pandemic, he had a little scene, and I had a couple of little scenes. I seen him on the set of that. Such a shame, you know. Yeah. Rest in peace. Super, I don't know. Super I think God's making a movie or something up there. Yeah, he's, he's casting. <laughs> casting taking up over there. Yeah, listen, he just he pulled Jimmy Conn for a part too. Yeah, I hope they you don't know. need like a Joe Pesci lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pesci. Uh, so so now you know here comes along another classic film, uh, a Bronx Tale. Yeah. How does that how does that come into your universe? Well, basically what happened with that is um, I got a call from my manager again and she said, um, Robert De Niro's people called, they want you to come up and do a reading of a play, Mm. a script, no, a script of a play of a movie. It's like, okay, cool. Sounds good. So like, all right, they gave me the address. I had to go. So I went up, it was at Tribeca and I got up and we did the reading for the Bronx Tale. And, you know, everybody was there. I mean, Penny Marshall, Ron Howard, everybody. I mean, yeah. when I think about it, everybody, there was an the audience listening to us. And then wow. after we finished, I mean, De Niro was like, uh, good job. I was like, oh, thank you. And then, I don't know, a couple of months later, because we had went on strike. The union went on strike right after yeah. that. So then um, after the strike was over, they called me up and it was like, uh, De Niro's office called. They want to have a meeting with you. I was like, all right, sure. So I went up and said, oh, listen, you know, we're, we're thinking of, we're going to do this movie and, you know, thinking of having you play the role of Slick. And I was like, that sounds great. Sounds good. And then, you know, I kept coming up and meeting with different guys. Like they put all the guys around me. Like one day, you know, there was like four, there was four, four of us. So every day I would come, there'd be like five guys. Then the next day it'd be one guy was the same and then four were different. And then the next day it was like, Three were the same, three were different. And then yeah. they kept going like that until they were like, all right, these are the guys. Yeah. And then they said, all right, we're going to book you. Then they booked me after that. And then, you know, and then we did the movie. So yeah. I actually had the part. Like, I, I don't think anybody even auditioned for my character. Bob just wanted me for that role because he thought I was so perfect for it. Yeah. So well, that's that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, it's about it's about relationships. You know, yeah. Bob, Bob liked what you did. And, and he, you know, he remembered you and he liked you. And he said, yeah, let's let's bring him back. Yeah, that's, exactly <laughs> that's awesome. So what was it like working with Bobby? Uh, it was great. It was like, you know, and one of the amazing parts of my life being directed by him. And the first time him directing, 
and just learning from him. Yeah, that was his first film, yeah, to direct. Yeah, first film he ever directed, so it was an honor to be directed by him. And just talking with him and, you know, sitting in his trailer and just talking about life and just giving me, you know, advice about things and just telling me about things and like a fatherly figure in a way. You know, and just awesome. showing me like, you know, different techniques. And like I said, with the not saying anything in that scene. And basically he let me just do whatever I wanted to when I was acting. He'd be like, he'd be like, just go with it. If you, you know, just, you know, the lines are there. He goes, but just, just go with it. You know, if you feel like saying something, say it. And then I would just, and and, and it was great. It was just like improv, you know? And even like when we did a, a, analyze that together, like the whole scene we did, we just improv the whole scene. And it was like, that was an amazing thing to like improv with Robert De Niro and just like mm. boom, boom, yeah. boom, man. Yeah, that was great. I mean, you, you, on the rooftop when they're hanging you off the roof, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was funny because I was going up the stairs and I told Howard Ramis, I was like, listen, when Bob tells me who you're working for, I want to say your mother. And Howard <laughs> Ramis started laughing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, just don't tell him. Just do it. Love it. So I was like, okay. And then we did the whole scene. And then afterwards, somebody told me, so, you know, Howard Ramis never lets anybody improv. And I was like, really? I was like, well, I didn't know that. But, you know, I guess he he let us do it. So, yeah, I got I got a story for you. I got a, a De Niro story. So, like I said, you know, he's my idol. You know, I mean, I grew up, why you know, raging bull, that, you know, taxi driver. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, I just yeah. he's he's you know, that's one of the reasons when I started really wanting to be an actor and, you know, started studying at the actor studio in New York and Lee Strasberg. And that was my you know guy. So here I am in Hollywood and uh, I do a movie directed by Gary Marshall called Pretty Woman. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I do that movie and then I hear Penny Marshall, his sister, Laverne, is doing a movie called Awakenings with Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. And there's a role in it. Right. So I guess Gary told Penny about me or whatever. Long story short, I'm in Palm Springs, you know, hanging out and I get a call from my agent. They go, they want to screen test you with Robert De Niro for this movie Awakenings. Right. Oh, and it's wow. this cab driver who picks him up, you know, the, you know, he's sick. I don't know if you saw Awakenings, you know, he's sick and, the, you know, he's, yeah. you know, so he, he, he's on these meds and he's off the meds and he's getting sick again. So there's a cab driver scene with a cab driver that takes him, you know, tells him, you know, this is a bad neighborhood. Come on, let me get you out of here or whatever. So there's a scene. So long story short, I'm in Palm Springs. I get the call. I'm like, I jump in the car to go back to, yeah. back to Hollywood. You know, I want to get ready for this. I'm at arrow, <laughs> right? So I go to Warner Brothers. It's a Sunday, right? It's like the studio is freaking closed, right? And it's just, I come in and, you know, on the lot and, you know, the New York City fake streets or whatever, and I'm yeah. waiting to go in and I get into the room and I'm thinking I'm going to see Jake LaMotta. I'm going to see Travis Bickle. I get Leonard. I get this guy, you know, he's very yeah. like shy and like quiet. Yeah. And I'm like, what the you know, yeah. so we're doing a scene, right? And Penny Marshall's there. She's directing and there's a guy running camera, right? And I'll tell you this magical moment that uh, De Niro gave me in the in the audition. So the scene is he's at, he's sitting at a park bench and I, and he's sick and I'm trying to come on, let me get you out of here, Leonard. You know, and I, and I go to pick him up right in the scene, and he lays there like dead weight, and he makes me struggle to pick him up, <laughs> like really struggle. And in that moment, everything was real, you know. Yeah. So I take De Niro and I put him over my shoulder. And I go, come on, baby, I'm going to get you home. And I'm playing this, you know, and Penny Marshall doesn't yell cut. So I start improvising and, yeah. you know, tell him I'm going to get you. And then 
Finally, Penny yells cut, and I put De Niro down very gingerly, and he looks at me and goes, that was good. That was good. And I was oh, like, wow. ah, De Niro just told me, you know, so it was amazing. I mean, oh, I literally, flo- I floated out of, you know, unfortunately, they, a nice person. he was such a giving actor. He was such a nice guy. So cut to, I'm, I'm in New York City, and I'm walking around, and I see they're shooting a film in New York, and I see the trailers and everything, right? So... I, I go, you know, I asked one of the guys, you know, one of the guys working on the thing. I go, what are you guys shooting over here? He goes, oh, Night in the City. I go, who's in it? He says, Robert De Niro and Jessica Lange. I went, I went, where's Bobby's trailer? <laughs> so I go, I find his trailer, I bang on the door, bum, bum, bum. You know, and I tell, you know, so some guy comes down. And I said, you know, I says, yeah, tell, tell Bobby it's Billy Gallo. You know, we just did a screen test. <laughs> you know, <laughs> So the guy says, well, you know, he's getting ready to do a scene right now. He says, but but he said, you know, why don't you come by to Tribeca tomorrow? Because he's going to be directing a film. He'd, he'd like to, you know, meet, meet you over there. Oh. I never went. I had a plane ticket going back to California. I was doing the TV show. And a big regret because Probably I went to Bronx Tale. Yeah, it was Bronx Tale, man. And the city was right before yeah. Bronx Tale. Yeah. So, so that was a big regret that I never went to that meeting. You know, yeah. you got yeah, any of those? Got re- he got me that part in the night in the city. I didn't even audition for it. I just had to wow. Yeah, Erwin Winkler was directing that. I remember, and they were just like, oh. You just booked the part in Night in the City. I was like, yes, I never read for anything. Like, oh, they just offered you the part. I was like, oh. And then he was there. So I was like, wow. Once again, such a it's, nice person. it's about relationships, you know? Yeah. What was it like working with um, Chaz? Oh, Chaz is amazing. Such a nice person. I actually just did a series with him called Gravesend. Okay. He's one of the stars. We didn't oh, have yeah. any scenes together, but we hung out a couple of days and I went to see his show. Oh, you show Bronx Tale, this one-man show? Oh, man, I'm jealous. It's such an amazing show, and he is such an amazing talent. And I wish I could work with him every day. He's that good, where it's just like, it's just like boom, 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 boom. It's like not even working. It's just like going going to the set and having fun. That's amazing. So yeah, so yeah, Gravesend. I, I'm loving it. You know, I'm you know I'm I'm a Brooklyn guy from the '80s, so yeah, yeah I'm it's loving your, it. It's your, it's your, you know, cruising the L. Yeah, that's it's my old neighborhood. You know, you know. Like the Capizios and the yeah. you know the yeah, that's that's definitely uh, that that was my time. So I'm looking forward to season two. Yeah, he's got a great cast. I mean, I listen, I know half the listen, Tony Luke's a great friend of mine, Lou Lombardi, you know, Leo Rossi, you know, I mean. I, I, He's got a great Amon Desante, William Forsythe, yeah. William. Yeah, William's a good friend of mine. William DeMeo. Is yeah. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait. That's awesome. So you're you're playing. What do you playing at again? You play Johnny like a Mad Dog. Johnny Mad Dog Mangano. Mad Dog. That's yeah. a good title. Good name. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> you having some fun with that that yeah, role? Yeah. Oh yeah. We had a lot of fun on it, man. I can't wait for people to see it. It's a it's a good great show and a great story. And, you know, and it's it's really about Gravesend back in, in your era and in my era, you know, so it should be fun. Yeah. So you and William have worked together a lot, right? Yeah, we did The Wannabes in uh, 2000, and then we did Back in the Day uh, a couple of years ago, and now we did Gravesend, then we did a couple of short movies. We grew up together, me and William, so, you know, I know William from the neighborhood, so we always stayed close and always talked to each other and always helped each other out. Like, you know, if I knew an audition, I always told him about it or he'd tell me. And, you know, if I'm ever doing anything, I always try to throw his name out there and he tries to throw my name out. We help each other. He's a good, he's a good actor and a good friend. 
That's awesome. You know, I love, you know, I love when I see guys from the neighborhood, like making moves in Hollywood, you know, yeah. I mean, rubbing shoulders with, you know, when I see uh, him and John Travolta, like yeah. on 18th Avenue, or, you know, just, you know, him with uh, Amanda Sante, or, you know, I mean, Sylvester Stallone, you know, I mean, it, it, I think it's freaking awesome, you know, because I know that they were once kid like me from Brooklyn that, you know, saw Rocky and dreamed of, you know, I mean, I, I know for me, look, I, I grew up Rocky inspired the hell out of me, you know, as a kid, yeah. you know, like I was getting bullied when I was in Catholic school and I saw Rocky, I started working out and started hitting the back, you know, I, I recreated myself after Rocky, you know, but, you know, it, I remember when I came out to Hollywood and I was, uh, I was doing who's the boss with Tony Danza and, you know, we do our table reading, you know, it was a, you know, a half hour sitcom, you know, so we do our table reading and then we go play golf. And here yeah. I am playing golf and, you know, who shows up? Sylvester Stallone. So here I am on the green. I'm on the putting green. I look to my left. There's Tony Bantha to my right is Rocky. And I'm like, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah. You know how I grew up watching taxi with Tony Danza. I, I was inspired because yeah. he's a guy with a Brooklyn accent on yeah. TV. I was like, if this guy can do it, I can do it. Yeah. You know, I remember watching who's the boss right back when it first came out going, Oh man, this guy's got another show. And then to come out to Hollywood and then become a series regular recurring character on the show. It's like, you know, how does that happen? I, I truly believe it's this, it's the power of yeah. manifestation, visualization, seeing yourself doing it, you yeah, know, you really, the too. Oh yeah. You got to take massive action. You got to go, you know, I mean, listen, you want to take the Island, you got to burn the boat, right? You know, when I came out to Hollywood, there was no boat back. There was no plane ticket back, you know, yeah. failure is not an option. It's like, I'm not going back. I give you a you lot know? of credit, man. I look up to you for doing that, man. That's, it's cool. That's really nice. I like that. Well, thank you, brother. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's talk, you know, this business has changed drastically from when you got, got into the business, you know, you back in the day, you know, you'd walk into a room and, you know, yeah. audition and, you know, because of the pandemic, you know, yeah. now it's self tape auditions and it's, it's a different thing, you know, than growing, yeah. you know, you have a, a great energy, you know, you're a character, you come into the room, people like you, people want to be, you know, it's a lot different when you're not walking into a room and you got to yeah. put yourself on tape. So how do you feel about self-tapes? Self-tapes? I mean, uh, I, I think they're okay. I mean, I'd rather be in the room meeting people and, you know, having a directors and a producers meeting. So like you said, you could, you know, talk to them and have a personality with them, you know, but self-tapes, I just, I just try to do it my best and that's all I could do. I try to give a little of myself in like the slate or like in, in the scene itself. You know what I mean? I try to put a little personality in there. Yeah. You know, you got to have these little tricks, I guess, when you do self tapes. Yeah. I mean, you know, what I tell my actors all the time is don't leave anything to their imagination. Give them the character. Don't, you know, don't give them 50, give them 150%. Yeah. You know, you have the wardrobe of the character, have the, the yeah. I'm not a fan of the friggin' blue background. You know, if I'm playing a serial killer and I got a purple background, you yeah. know, it, it's fake. Give me a gray yeah. wall that looks like a, an interrogation thing, you know, yeah. put me in a prison outfit, you know, hair, make it the whole thing, light yeah. it right, you know, have good sound, you know. So yeah. if I'm a casting director and I'm looking at thousands of self-tapes, all of a sudden, boom, you, you come up and it's real. It's like, shit, I could take that footage and put it right up on the film, on the, on the screen. Yeah, that's what you I know? do. I try to try to do it like I'm on the set. Whenever I do an audition, I want to do it like I'm on, it's like, you know, a take on the set. Just like that's awesome. There. Yeah. Because yeah. you have to, you have to give it everything you have, yeah. Yeah. you know, what cracks me up is actors saying, you know, Oh, I'm not going to give them everything. I'm not, you know, it's, you know, I'll wait till they get the part. Well, guess what? You're not going to get the part. 
because somebody else is going to be giving them more. Giving one hundred and fifty percent. You know, yeah. going in there and showing them who the character is. Yeah, exactly. You know, rocking the room. Yeah, definitely. 100%. You ever you ever get uh, you know like when you walked into the room and audition, you ever deal with nerves? Sometimes. I mean, I, I did a couple of times. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, how do you deal with that? A, a lot. A lot of breathing. Breathing or like trying to just look at it like I'm having fun. Look at it like, you know, like, like it's a normal thing, you know, like, you know, like, oh, let's go and do the audition. Have fun. I'm performing, you know, try to think of it like I'm, I'm doing a performance, you know, I'm, I'm like having an audience and I'm doing a performance and basically, you know, I'm performing. And after I perform, that's it. I try to forget about it. Like if I do an audition, I'm not like one of those guys that like I do an audition and I call the manager and the agent. Oh, did they call? Did they do this? I'm just like the guy. I'll go in, do my best. And then I forget about it. And if I get it, I'm happy. Because I remember when I was first starting out, I would go in and do my best and then be calling up. And then, you know, it's like, and it gets you too crazy. Sure. So I try to like keep it as simple as I could, you know, keep it easy. You know, make it as smooth and easy as possible. I don't, no stress. Yeah. You know, my attitude is, listen, that casting director, they're, they're rooting for you. They yeah. want you to be the guy, right? They have a problem. They're trying to solve the problem. They're trying to cast that role. You're the solution to the problem. And if you're more prepared, you've outworked, outprepped, outchoiced the other actors, you're, you're coming in. And you're playing, right? Because you have an audience and guess what? I'm, you know, so you're not coming in a room trying to get anything. You're coming to give, to, yeah. to shine your light, to play, to have fun. It's a completely different energy yeah. than the guy who's coming in trying to survive the audition and hope, yeah. you know, oh, please like me, please give me the part. <laughs> you know, it's a completely different guy, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's a different energy. So I think the more work, more prepared you are, you don't, you treat it like you already got the part and I'm here to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you come in that prepared and you have, you know, your choices, your hair, your makeup, your work, you know, whatever yeah. it is, and you're giving them the performance, then you've done your job. Yeah. It's not about getting a part or not. You've done your job. That casting director will become a fan of your work. Even yeah. if you're not right for this part, they're going to remember what yeah. you did and they'll bring you back for something else. Well, sometimes somebody else, might have the part, maybe yeah. a cousin yeah. of the director or, yeah. you know, a family friend or, you know, something, you know, you might go in and do the bait, the best. You might even be right for the part. You might yeah. even be better than the person they give the part to. Sure. But it's on, it's, it's out of my control after I go in there. All I could do is go in and do the work, like you said. So, you know, it's like I said, it's about relationships. So have there been casting directors that, you know, have cast you over and over again on different projects? Oh, yeah. Actually, this thing I just did, this uh, this thing for Major League Baseball Network, the casting lady that cast me in the show Power Book 3, they called me up and they didn't, I didn't even audition. I just, they were like, oh, you got a tape? You got like a, a, a reel or whatever? I was like, yeah, sure. Sent them a reel. Boom, they called back. They're like, oh, you got the job. Plus other casting people too. Like a lot of casting people, yeah. they call me in. Directors? Sure. Directors, producers. I mean, I did this thing called Return to, Return to Danger with Peter Green and a couple of actors, the girl who did, who produced that, I did like maybe like five movies with her. There's Christmas with the Walters. I did like four movies with this guy. See? John Gallagher, rest in peace. He died. I did like four or five movies with him. I mean, every time they would do something, they would call me up and give me a little something or give me something big or whatever, you know, whatever was right for me. But I'm the type of guy, it's like, if you're doing a movie and there's nothing in it for me, it's fine. You don't have to put me in every movie yeah. you're in. 
Some actors are like, they want to be in like, if they know you, they're like, oh, you're doing a movie and you didn't put me in it. And they get mad at people. Yeah. Me, but, I don't get mad. But it's all about, you know, it's truly all about your reputation and being a professional actor and somebody that I want to work with. You know, I'm mean, listen, I, I, I know you did, uh, you did Black Donnelly's, right? With, yeah, with Bobby Moresco, you know? So, so, so I did a bunch of, I did Crash that won a bunch of Academy Awards. I did, I did, I did Tent and Wolf with Bobby Moresco. I did, uh, I did Way the Wise Guy. I played, you know, uh, Sonny Black, you know, the Joe, Joe Pistone, the real Donnie Brasco. I did a play in Chicago, you know, but all those jobs came from me being a professional, prepared actor that, you know, he enjoyed working with it. And, you know, and there's a role comes along, you know, so it's really truly about those relationships. So you want to, yeah. you want to be that kind of actor that, that comes and delivers and is likable and people want to work with you because that's how you become a working actor in this town. I mean, look how many, look at De Niro, four, four projects with De Niro or him calling you up for a night in the city and not even auditioning or, you know, all of these things come because, you know, you're a pro. And I can tell, I don't know you, we've never met before, but I can tell you're a, you're a stand-up guy, you're a good guy, and, you know, sure. you're, you know, you got a good energy about you, you know, and, and that's important. I mean, yeah, you don't last, like I said, you don't have 134 IMDb credits, you don't last, I mean, you've been in this business from the, you know, I don't know, what, 90s, you know, I don't know, when yeah. you did well, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were like maybe 80s, 1990. what? 89, they did 89, so yeah, so you don't last that many years in this business if, you know, you're not a good guy. Thank you. You know, and, you know, that you've you've developed. Listen, you've been blessed. You've had amazing teachers along the way on the job training, working with some amazing directors and great actors. And you learn, you know, you learn so much just by being there on set and watching other actors film and, yeah. you know, seeing what, what set etiquette is and being a professional and prepared yeah. and knowing how to hit your mark and say your line and know here you know, I'm blocking. This is my light, my key light. And, you know, knowing, you know, the, the technical aspects of it that I'm. I know I can count on you. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to teach you anything when you show up. You're a pro. You're a professional that's, actor. Yeah, that's you know? what I try to do. Yeah. Come prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you know what I love is, is that, you, that uh, you got this, this great attitude. You're, you're humble. You know, you're, you're grateful. You yeah, gotta... I, I am. I am. Hey, listen, things could be worse. Things could be, you know. We could be dead right now or in jail or whatever, especially growing up in Brooklyn. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know about yeah. you, but a lot of my friends, I mean, they're not, some of them ain't around, some of them are in prison or just getting out of prison or, you know, but some are doing good. Some are doing yeah. well. Half but my friends are dead or in jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, especially the guys that I was running with back in the day, yeah. oh, <laughs> those, yeah. those guys. You know, I got a lot of friends that did amazing, you know, that didn't, yeah. didn't, they got away from the streets and got yeah. away from that whole wise guy shenanigans life, you know, because, you know, and that life just takes you two places, dead or in jail. Exactly. You know? But, you know, you do, you, you were, you were a neighborhood guy, but you didn't kind of run around in that or did you? No, I mean, I ran around not, you know, doing anything or whatever, you know, I had, I mean, I had my, uh, my share of, you know, things I've done when I was a kid, but, you know, I've learned from my mistakes and, you know, yeah. and I put that behind me and, you know, I do things in a different way. So if you could give advice to the younger you, right? If you could go back and talk to little Joseph and give him some advice about life, whatever, what would you, what would you say to him? I would say, don't think you know it all. Listen to people and learn from people and 
don't be so thick-headed. <laughs> you know? And don't think you know it all. That's the whole thing. Growing up, I thought, you know, when I was a kid, I thought I knew it all. Like people would tell me something like, oh, don't do this, don't do that. And I'd be like, yeah, don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. Leave me alone. Hmm. But when I think back on it, I'm like, I, some, of those things, some of those things that I did, I wish I didn't do them. But at the time, I was a kid and I didn't know better. I mean, my dad passed away when I was a young kid. I really didn't have any guidance. Hmm. So basically, I'm not blaming that, but... I mean, everything in life happens for a reason. So I guess, you know, I had to learn from some of my mistakes. And, you know, that's what you, that's what you have to do in life sometimes. My daughter actually uh, in school one day did like a, an article she wrote for the school. It was about learning from other people's mistakes. And when she wrote that article for the school, I said to myself, I was like, I wish I knew that. Wow. Because it's so great if you could learn from watching other people make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Instead of you making them yourself, you know. Yeah, love that. Yeah. So what's what's what? I know you have Gravesend coming out. What is there anything you want to? I mean, I know you do. I I did not know this, but I mean, I know you've done comedy and sitcoms. Like, are we there yet? And you know, you do both sides. You know, which is awesome. But I didn't know you do like stand up. Yeah, I do stand up once in a while. Yeah, couple nice. of shows that's, a year. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's you, fun. You got anything you want to promote? Anything going on? Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing a show. Governors in Long Island want me to do a show, and I got to sit down with them and figure out when I'm going to do it. So I'm actually was going to head up there this weekend, maybe, and maybe talk to the manager over there and set something up and get a date, maybe like three months from now, and do maybe nice. like two shows, maybe like a seven o'clock and a nine o'clock. You know, like a two-hour show. I have a couple of comedians do it with me. You know, have a, have a bunch of fun. It's great, you know, and have friends. But besides that, I got, you know, the Gravesend. I got Power Book 3. That's on the Stars Network that's coming out soon. I'm on that as Carmine. A movie called Townhouse Confidential, where I play like a sleazy mortgage broker, like a Danny DeVito type, which I was see. fun. And um, Return to Danger with Peter Green, plus a couple of short movies and things like that. Keep him busy. Plus, I wrote my own... I wrote my own script. I'm almost done. So I'm trying to get that financed and trying to get that done. Love that. That's my next thing that I want to do, because actors always would ask me, you know, Joe, you know, how do I break into the acting business or whatever? And I would always tell them, you know, write your own script, produce it and make it. Mm -hmm. So then one day, one of my friends is like, he's like, hey, Joe, you ever write a script? I was like, no. He was like, why are you telling people to do it for? I was like, you know what? I think God's been sending me a message. Mm. I got to write a script. So I bought final draft and I finally got down and I wrote like I'm three quarters done with this script. It's like a comedy horror, death wish meets Dexter type of movie. Mm. And you know, when, once I'm finished with it, I'm going to try to get some money and make it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Listen, I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm 90 something pages into my life story. It's about a kid from Brooklyn that has a dream, you know, and it's, it. you know, it's a Bronx tale, you know, but a Brooklyn yeah. tale. You know, it's running the streets of Brooklyn. And then, you know, like he's got a dream and he goes after it, you know, and, like and it. makes the dream a reality. So, you know, like there's going to be parts in there for you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely. We're going to be shooting and shooting in Brooklyn. You know, I, I want to shoot it right in Brooklyn. Back you know, in Brooklyn. Back in Brooklyn underneath the L. All, all the old. I want to shoot it in the exact locations where it happened. Oh, wow. That would be you fun. Know, it'd be fun to go back, you know. Yeah, that, everything in life happens for a reason, you know. You meet people along the way and, you know. It just, you just, when it, when it happens, you got to make a choice of what's going to happen next. And, you know, that's what it's about, I feel like. 
So if people want to find you, what do they find you like social media? I'm on Instagram, official Joseph D'Onofrio. I'm on Facebook as Joseph D'Onofrio. Awesome. Basically, that's about it. Yeah. I'm not big on social media that much. I'm not like on there every minute and every day and liking and commenting and stuff. Sure. You know, it, it takes up a lot of time. But, you know, people send me messages. Sometimes I answer people back. But I, You know, when I if I see it and I, you know, and they're nice or whatever like that, I'll answer them back and talk. To well, them. well, I'm very grateful that you answered my DM <laughs> because I remember I saw you something on Instagram and I was like, you know, I got to get Joseph on the podcast. So I reached out to you and it was last minute and I, I sent you a DM and you said, sure. So I'm really grateful. Really well, I, think I, reached out, I think I reached out. I think I started following you. That's how it started. Right? I think I started following yeah. you and then you followed me back. And then I don't know when it happened, but I know I seen your, I seen your name up there and I looked into your page. I was like, oh, wow, it's an actor. Let me follow him. You never know. You know what I mean? Cause you, sure. like you said, it's all about connections and networking and relationships and look, boom, Instagram. And now we're doing an interview. Who knows? Maybe you'll be in my movie and I'll be in your movie. Well, we'll be working together soon. You never know what's going to happen. No doubt. No doubt. I look forward Maybe to we'll that. Maybe we'll be in Bobby Maresco's uh, series he's making now. Cause I know yeah. he's just, uh, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I heard about that. That sounds cool. You know, I mean, yeah. look, you got George Gallo, you know, Midnight oh, yeah. Run. I mean, you know, uh, he's a great writer, you know, uh, you got Nick, you know, uh, Green Book, you know, I mean, yeah. Bobby. I mean, that's the crew right there. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, that's going to be a great series. With those three guys. right? Yeah. About I got to grow my hair long again. <laughs> so I can yeah, just put a wig on you. That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Joe, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. You know, I look forward to uh, staying in touch. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Have a All great right. night. Have a great thing. Thank you for interviewing me. Yeah, you stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you soon. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.